Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 342, Traveling and Turkey Hunting. And I am your co-host and the guy who cleaned his shotguns, his turkey hunting shotguns, this past weekend. Have you cleaned yours? I have not, but I'm your co-host that is hoping to cycle one more shell through his before the season's over, and then I'll clean it. <laughs> Just one more shell? Knowing me, it'll probably be three or four, but I would like for it to only be one. I've got to tell you that I hope that we go on that trip and I get to call in, shoot at, and miss four turkeys, and then kill the fifth one. I would love that as well, but... After everybody much, else is killed, of course. Yeah, I, I don't know how much more punishment the right side of my face can take this year because I've been letting some shells fly with my missing and all my antics this year. So I, I have like a permanent swollen spot below my eye bone on my right side right now. So it would be helpful if that didn't happen for me. I would like to just shoot once, kill him, and then watch you shoot six times. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I am definitely cool with that. Yeah, so you you cleaned Black Death and the 20 gauge, I guess? Yeah, the sweet little 20 something and Black Death got a, a shining, a polishing. Nice. And now I didn't strip them completely and clean them and put them back together, which is probably what I will do when I get back. Now, I don't really think that my sweet little 20 something needs that kind of a cleaning but black death probably wouldn't hurt to get her stripped down cleaned up and put back together so while i was cleaning the guns i've got to thinking you know i'm not real sure which one of those girls is going to go on the trip with me so i think it'd be kind of cool to take sweet little 20 something on the trip i mean she's pure death 
on a turkey. But Black Death has always made these trips, and I don't want to make Black Death mad at me. Yeah, you definitely so, don't want to make that mad at you. He's been good to you for many a day. So, not real sure exactly what I'm going to do here, but I'll figure it out between now and then. In the meantime, I have discovered that we're 309 days, 12 hours, 13 minutes, and 40 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And it's sad to say, but Tennessee's over. We are 317 days, 11 hours, and 50 minutes from turkey season in Tennessee at this point. So it is officially over. I'm pretty sad. I was in a sour mood all day yesterday, to be completely honest. But we got one more trip planned, so it's not totally over, but it is sad to know that the daily grind has ended. And I'm back in the gym trying to put some weight back on. (laughs) Yeah, I am back in the gym as well with a new membership to a new gym. And trying to learn the machines, learn what my weights are, because, you know, we've talked about this since COVID. I've laid off of the gym because starting because of COVID and then because I was just so dang busy, I just could not get to the gym and work out. I was working out at the house, but, you know, anytime you're going to go to a new gym, new machines, a little bit, I've changed my routine a little bit and I will change it again and you know here and there as I go through so I'm not doing the same old routine day in day out but I I'm really not all that surprised I guess at how much strength I've lost from for all practical purposes not working out since March of 2020 or I guess really it might have been yeah it was probably early March before everything was shut down last year yeah so yeah but I'm glad to be back. You know, it's it's okay working out at the house, but I like going to the gym to work out. Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. I get a lot more done when I go to the gym, a lot more motivated. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I lose. Like, if somebody needs to lose weight, just come walk with me during turkey season. It's going to happen because oh, yeah. I usually fluctuate about 20 pounds. And this year was not as bad i did eat a bunch of junk food this year while driving around so that helped but i only lost 16 pounds Mm -hmm. but i went to the gym today did an upper body chest and back workout with some arms involved and you know i've only missed three months of working out because i stopped working out turkey season hit now i'm back but my strength level didn't decrease as bad as i thought it was going to but my endurance is pitiful so I was able to lift a pretty good amount of weight, like typically, but my, like, I did what I usually do for eight reps. I did a lot, light, like 20 pounds less, did it eight reps. But then the next set, I could not do it eight reps again. <laughs> and yeah. so I had to drop yeah. it. By the time I finished, I was 40 pounds lighter and struggling to get eight reps. I was like, man, my stamina is way down on this. But, you know, I'll build back up. I got nine months to build it back up. I like to put on a lot of lean muscle mass in the off season, and then I burn that plus fat during turkey season, and it helps a ton. So well, and you've been through these periods enough to know that it really doesn't take all that long to build it back up if you've only laid off for three months. Oh yeah, no, I'll be back, at, especially with summer and vacations, and I have all kind of family reunions where we'll be eating like unbelievable amounts of fried chicken and stuff, like. I'll be back mm-hmm. to 190 in no time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to bulk back up, get to 190. That's my sweet spot, 188 to 190. Build it up, then I'll drop down to 170 during turkey season and then just do it again. That's my cycle. My my dad today at the office was like, you know, your pants are like folded in the back. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> They're literally falling off of me. And so I had to I had to fold them over once under the belt. He was yeah. like, what? I was like, Dad, I lost 20 pounds. Like, I'll I'll be back filling filling them out in a month or two. It, it's a pretty crazy fluctuation, but it is, it is real. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually, you know, in a normal year, I'm usually 8 to 12 pounds. But I didn't have as much muscle to lose this season. So yeah, I haven't weighed myself. Off with COVID last year, so. Yeah. 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 So I... Haven't weighed myself yet. I don't know what I've lost, but I'm going to 
you know, I'm back with the protein shakes and back in the gym and doing my cardio. And of course the cardio helps to get some of that fat burned off as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a part of the process, man. It's all part of the fun and, and you know, I enjoy it. Turkey hunting motivates me for nine months and then I implement that motivation for three months. Uh, I don't miss the gym during those three months and I have something I'm working towards in the other nine. Yeah. And that's important. And I, I know that anyone who is any sort of a fitness expert or anything else will tell you, you've got to have a reason. to Yeah, go. absolutely. It's, so my off season goals with working out this year will be to be stronger than I was at the beginning of turkey season this year. So I have that documented. And so that's going to be my goal. Yeah. Well, aside from that, be... the other thing that is part of it is traveling for turkey hunt. And I had somebody reach out on Instagram and say, Hey, you and Andy should do an episode on traveling for turkey hunting. You know, what to pack, any tips you might have, that kind of thing. Not so much go to this state. It's great. We're not going to do that. But we're going to discuss today kind of some things we've learned from life on the road turkey hunting. Because you've traveled and hunted turkeys in how many states now? I have hunted turkeys in 41 states. Nice. And so, and I've hunted them in 26 states, I believe. Because I've hunted, I've killed in 25 and I have not killed in Arkansas. So I've, killed, I've hunted 26 states. So yeah. we have credentials on why we can be listened to on traveling to Turkey on, I would say. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, you know, for me, I treat my trips on a Monday morning, a Thursday morning, just, you know, regular old hunting trip here in Alabama as if it's a travel trip because, yeah. you know, I've got everything together. I've got it all ready to go. It stays in my truck, you know, other than my guns and you know, I don't always take them out, but other than my guns, I'm ready to go at a moment's notice. So, you know, that part of it makes, I, I really think, makes traveling out of state a lot easier. But there's always those extra considerations because I know I'm coming home mid-morning yep. to do some work or going to the office to do some work and then going home to sleep in my own yeah. bed. So yeah. let's that, just kind of... Go through what we do. Let's say you are going on a multi-state swing. You know, this is a big trip. Yeah. And let's kind of go through. Obviously, we're not going to go through everything. You're going to have a gun, your turkey hunting stuff, all that stuff. But maybe let's throw some things out there that some people may not have thought of that they need to bring. And just for information, I travel in a Kia Optima. That is my turkey hunting wagon. I mean, it has hauled out mm -hmm. many a turkey at this point. <laughs> yep. And I literally do that because I can get 32 miles to the gallon, and it works for me. I don't really go places that need four-wheel drive. I go places where I need two boots to walk. Yeah. And so that's what I travel mostly in. And you, I would say, travel, if it's nearby, mostly by your truck or by air, if it's a more distant trip. Yeah. You, you're way more inclined to fly than I am, I would say. Way more inclined. Uh, it doesn't bother me. And, you know, I look at it like, okay, well, it's all, it's all a trade-off, time and money, just like everything else in life. And if I'm going to spend eight hours in a vehicle, then I've got to look at where's my, what is my travel time by air? Then when I get there, what is my travel, what is my mode of travel? So, you know, is it a rental car? If so, you know, how far am I traveling from the airport to where I'm going to be hunting? And, you know, you've got to factor all of that into your decision about whether you're flying or driving. And these days, when you're flying, just because you're flying does not mean that you're going to get somewhere quicker than you would be if you were driving. Especially about that. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if you're going to Utah in April. Or if you're going to, or from, I'm sorry, if you're going to Utah, Nevada, or if you're going from Utah to home in February. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, those are, those are things to think about. And we really do have to consider weather in these travel plans. 
So yeah, especially those mountainous western states, you're gonna have a lot higher chance of weather impact, I would say, or even northeast maybe. Yeah, and the weather changes at the drop of a hat, especially yeah, out, out west. Yeah, it, it does. Can, and you one take thing, the forecast and throw it out. Yeah, one thing I factor in for me. You work a lot on the road. I know that firsthand, but I'm still bound by a vacation schedule and we'll hopefully have that removed very soon. But I have to factor in how can I get there with the least impact to vacation days as possible. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that usually translates to leaving the office at 5 p.m. and driving through the night. And so, because you can't find flights usually later than that when needed. So that's one reason I've been more of a driver and it's worked out for me. You have to be comfortable driving at night. I am at this point. I know I can hype myself up enough, listen to some good music and and hit the road running. You know, it can be dangerous for some, but I know I'm comfortable with it. But for me, that works out best, such as what I did in Minnesota, leave after work, drive through the night, get there, hunt the next morning, no sleep necessary. Doing the same thing for Michigan this year because I'm flying into the airport from a family vacation on a Thursday night. And then my other option would be to wait at the airport till the next morning, fly out the next morning, get a rental car in Detroit or somewhere and drive over to Michigan. But if I just leave the airport when I fly in, I'll be in Michigan much quicker the next morning. So that's my opportunity cost is time hunting and vacation days. I kind of weigh those. So that ends up with me driving quite a bit. Yeah. I also have a better location for travel by car than you because you're four hours further south to most states that are north or west, you know? (laughs) Right. West Tennessee is a pretty good location for drive travel. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So some things that you may not think of when it comes to air travel is that you've got to travel relatively light. Otherwise, the airlines will eat your lunch with baggage fees. And, you know, I've got to say, you actually taught me a little something on the trip to Utah in February. And that is, you know, to have a big enough carry-on that you can actually throw some stuff into it and you don't have to worry about checking a suitcase. Yep. Because, you know, you're also going to have a gun case that you can throw some extra things in as well. So you can get away with a huge carry on, by the way. Yeah. Especially the airlines are not listening to this. Yeah. If it's not hard sided, if you have a a very large duffel bag, let's say you can fit a ton of stuff in that and count it as your carry on. And it mean, it fits most of the time, especially if it's flexible or I've even, if the carry on didn't fit, I've literally stuffed the carry-on below my feet in the chair in front of me as my underseat bag and thrown my underseat bag as the carry-on. Because you're allowed two bags on the plane. You can have a small underseat bag and a carry-on. So you want to maximize that. And then I check my gun case and have stuff in that as well. Yeah. So, Well, I made it a goal this year because, you know, when you go away for a two-week trip. Oh, yeah. That's pretty darn difficult, especially going where we went to the northeast Weather for that period of time. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking it could be 81 day and 38 the next with 20 mile an hour winds. And we experienced that on this trip. Yeah. And so what I do, of course, I, I had to take a heavy coat, but I also... I always take my rain suit with me when I travel because, you know, you don't want to get wet. But I actually will use my rain suit underneath my heavy coat as an additional windbreaker. Now, my heavy coat is pretty darn good at keeping me warm. But when you put a rain suit on underneath that, I mean, just think about how if you hunt in the rain in a rain suit, 10 times out of 10, you're wet when you get done hunting. Nine times out of those 10, it's not because of rain. It's because of sweat. And so those rain suits will actually hold in a lot of body heat. And so I use those as a windbreaker and I use the rain suit 
as just an additional layer underneath my clothing on those windy, very windy days or very cold days. And so oh, yeah. to, they hold in a ton of heat, like way more than you'd anticipate. Yeah. So to me, that is, you know, something that you're going to bring anyway, but you can use it to yeah. help keep you warm, not just dry and yeah. a rain, you know, in a, in a rainstorm. So um, that's something that I think is, you know, maybe overlooked by people is to use that as an additional layer of warm clothing yeah. for your trip. And yeah. on this trip, and I, I think I even did it when we were in Utah, I will wear that underneath my camo pants because it's quieter. Yeah. You know, if it's raining, obviously I'm wearing the rain suit on the outside. Or but even if it's, if it's not, raining, not raining the day of the hunt, if it rained that night and all the, say you have to walk through a tall wheat field, wear your yeah. rain suit pants and you, you won't be sopping wet the rest of the day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Is that, or even a heavy dew. I mean, I've walked through fields after a heavy dew and you feel like you just jumped in a river. You know, you're soaking wet by the time you get across it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good tip. You know, use your rain suit. You, you need to take it. I don't care what the forecast tells you for your three, four day hunt. Take a freaking rain suit because you never know. And you can use it way more than you just for rainy days like you just described. They're extremely light. They're very packable. There's no reason not to take it with you. Yeah, they're made to be packable. Yeah. So one thing I'll say, you know, I just got back from Turkey Tour. So I'm fresh on my mind on things that really were helpful on our trip. And so we drove, but this could be driving or flying. Take a box or what I did, you get those latex disposable gloves, like medical gloves, mm-hmm. and take those in a Ziploc baggie. It breaks down into almost nothing size-wise, but take a good amount of those. I mean, when you're out, if you're camping and hunting especially, water supplies are limited, and if you kill a turkey and have to clean him, do you really want to get blood and dead turkey stuff all over your hands and then try to clean it out there with the water you do have and soap? I put those medical gloves on. I even put them on at home just so that it's easier cleanup after I kill a turkey. And I took those with us and we used them. Everybody else that killed a turkey said, hey, could I have a pair of those gloves? And so we would put those on, clean the bird using them, and then you just take them off and throw them away and you're done. I mean, yeah, you, you can rinse, them, rinse your hands off with some soap, but that's a really easy way to keep from having to use up your water and have to rinse your hands and soap and try to get those blood stains out from under your fingernails and that kind of thing. Throw on those medical gloves. That's something we used and everybody was like, man, can I use those? You know, I, I thought about it while we were out there. I was like, yeah, this was a great thing to bring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really a smart idea. But I actually like to have all that on my hands because I will get hungry out there and it gives me something extra to kind of snack on. Yeah, just licking all over your hands. Yeah. And once I get all the meat and stuff off my hands, I can usually, you know, get a little extra protein, a little extra something for nourishment by digging the blood dried up blood out from underneath my fingernails i mean that makes good sense to me just disregard yeah. what i said do it and say <laughs> very healthy great could great be health. a matter of life and death yeah yeah but no seriously those that's something I, i'm i don't think i'll ever go on a turkey trip without them at this point it was really useful it made cleanup way quicker because when i'm out of state i kill a bird i'm ready to move on iowa I was ready to move to Montana. I killed a turkey, was able to clean him, hands clean as soon as I took the gloves off so I could hop right in the car and start driving again. Mm-hmm. I, that's something I would take, if, if and I plan to take on any future trips that I may have. Yeah. One other thing that I want to say about flying and traveling light is one of the items that almost always I contribute to being overweight every time that I've traveled to go on these trips because more often than not, I'm overweight. My bags are over that 50-pound limit. So I can just about bet you that if you wear your boots, your hunting boots, on the flight and pack your tennis shoes or flip-flops or sandals or whatever it is, casual shoes that you're going to wear just lounging around once you get there, you know, in the evenings or whatever else, pack those in your suitcase instead of your boots, 
I will just about bet you you're going to have a hard time being overweight with your bags. That's a very good point. It's one of the heaviest things out there. Yeah, yeah. So I did that on the trip to the Northeast. I wore my hiking boots. Now they're much lighter than my big knee-high rubber neoprene boots. But that was two and a half, three pounds that I didn't have in my bag. I had on my feet. And those dang hiking boots are comfortable anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're, so, they're like tennis shoes, basically. Yeah. So, you know, that was that was a big deal for me. And then I just threw my slip-on shoes that I was going to wear to travel. You know, once we got there, when we were driving from state A to state B, you know, I'd just throw my casual shoes in the bag yeah. and rock and roll. And that was a big help. So that's something else to consider, something else to think about. And before, before I turn it back yeah. over to you with another idea, buy a scale. If you do not have a scale at your house, buy one of the luggage scales and weigh your bags before you go, after they're packed. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. a good point. I I thought one of my bags was like, oh, I'm getting close, and then I weighed it, and I was like, heck, I got a 20 pounds I can put in here. <laughs> you know, couldn't have been that far off. As much, more. as much weight lifting as you do, you were that far off? I'm not used to only with lifting 50 uh, pounds. I got you. Yeah, if it was 300, maybe, you know. Oh man, yeah, that that's a good tip though. Bring a scale because a it will keep you from overweight and it will let you know how much more you can bring if necessary. Yes, so that's a good good point on both ends. So I took two from from you right there. Go ahead. Well, for flying purposes, I also would like to give a tip that I didn't follow, and that is for your gun case that you're going to fly with. It's going to be hard-sided, have locks and things like that. I would suggest buying one that rolls. Oh, yeah. I bought one that is just a carry-by-the-handle gun case. I put the gun in there, binoculars, shells. I put all kind of stuff in there. It's really nice storage to carry things. I even put clothes. So I cut the foam out in the shape of the gun, and then I cut two foam spots, one for the shells and the box call. And under the original top foam, there's another layer of foam. And so everywhere that wasn't cut out on the top, I cut out on the bottom one and put socks and stuff in those. So I was able to put a bunch of stuff in there. Well, what I didn't figure was that some airports are freaking big. And you may end up walking a literal half mile toting a 45-pound gun case by one small handle. Mm -hmm. And that gets pretty sucky, to be honest. And going up escalators and all this other stuff, I mean, it really kind of blows. So if I could go back, I'm happy with the quality of my gun case. I have a Pelican. I'm happy with the quality of it. But if I could go back to purchase another gun case before next turkey season, I would get one that rolls. That would be something that I would suggest if you can do so is get one with wheels it will just make travel through the airport significantly more pleasurable it definitely does it's night and day difference yeah i can't imagine because literally my shoulder was like sore the next day <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, my, my first case hard-sided case for traveling was you know one just to carry an aluminum it was a pretty lightweight case but yeah, mine is not. Did not have wheels on it, and I took that thing to about twenty states, and I said, "Through with it, done." Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they're they're just not they're cumbersome to carry. Yes, and it's not like you're gonna throw it on top of something and roll it around because the thing's six feet wide if you're gonna try to haul it that way. So yeah, a rolling gun case is a big deal. Yeah, definitely, and. Since you took two, I'll go again. One thing, if you're going to camp and hunt, now, I kind of done both. I enjoy camping to hunt. If the weather's going to be nice, I would much rather, I camp out of my Eno, which is the hammock that quickly attaches and detaches from trees. I can put it up, take it down in like five minutes, have a bug net, I have a rain fly, everything I need to camp out of my hammock. That's what I slept in all week last week, but... Camping-wise, if you're going to camp and turkey hunt, 
even if you're not going to camp, even if you're going to be out there for lunch or whatever, though, and you're not going back to the B&B or hotel, I have a jet boil, which is about $85, the jet boil. It's amazing. It is one of the best products I have for camping. So what it is, it has a small butane tank on the bottom. I mean, really small. And then it has a burner that screws into that. And then it has a cup looking thing. It's it's a big, big cup. And so you can boil water in the big cup. I mean, it boils very quickly, like unbelievably hot and fast. So you can boil water or mine has a French press attachment. So I can boil water put coffee in it and then French press it down and I have coffee. You can drink it straight out of the cup. It has a bowl that detaches. It's just unbelievable. So we, I was able to make coffee most every day. I mean, we'd be driving around. I'd want a cup of coffee to keep me awake. I hop over five minutes, boil some water. I got a hot cup of coffee right there. I, you can, I literally would use it in my car. It's so small and compact. And so also like mountain house meals, we ate those for dinner a couple nights. They're super easy. All you do is boil water, pour them into the package with the freeze-dried meat or whatever it is. You got a delicious hot meal. They're actually pretty good to eat. And then what else do I use it for? Just boiling water for anything, or you can heat stuff up in it. I mean, if you had oatmeal, you could put it in there. Whatever you need to do, it's unbelievable. It has a little bowl. I had a spoon that I brought. That's all I needed. I was able to have coffee and hot meals out of that thing. So jet boil is what it's called. The jet boil cooking system. And it is like 85 bucks. You can get them at Dick's Sporting Goods or anywhere that carries camping supplies. But I really suggest that. It's a lot easier to carry around a little one burner than it is like an entire stove apparatus. So can you, in that bowl, can you heat up your real Cajun market sausages? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, you could easily heat them up. I mean, what I would probably do is have a small, very small pan that I could sit on top of the, the burner and maybe just sear them that way. But you could easily, because they're already pre-cooked, I mean, you could just toss them in there and heat them up. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's it. So it, it, yeah, because you don't have to worry about getting sick because something's not cooked. Yeah. yeah. All, all you need is, if you want them to be hot, they eat fine just cold. The real Cajun market sausages, they eat fine just cold. But, you know, I like a hot meal. I think everybody does. It's pretty oh, good. Yeah. So toss them in there, heat them up, and that's one way to go about it. So it, I just, the jet boil worked out. I just got this thing, and I'm pretty pumped about it, and it turned out better than I anticipated. We used it way more. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so... I'd check that out if you're a big camper. Even if you're not a turkey hunter that camps, like if you're going to go camping and you want a really easy way to have hot meals and coffee, jet boil. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of one. So, But, you know, I don't do a whole lot of camping. Once well, a year, twice a year kind of thing for me is about it. This would be the ticket, man. I'm telling you. it. You know, I have a Coleman two-burner deal, a good bit bigger. This thing... Literally, when it's broken down, it is in the size of like a 12-ounce cup, all the pieces of it. So it is oh, wow. ultra compact for yeah. carrying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm a big coffee drinker, and the French press attachment that goes on it, excellent coffee. Because French press coffee is higher quality, in my opinion, than drip coffee. And so you're having like really high quality coffee and you can cook out of it. Super easy, clean up everything. It's just a great thing to have for the camping turkey hunter. Or the stuck up coffee drinker. Yeah, exactly. If you're a snob like me about your coffee, you can get one and make coffee. And don't you know that the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup? That's right. You, you should do an advertisement for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't. I've never had it, so I can't really speak for it. Not being a coffee drinker, you know, it's not something I can attest to. Yeah, I mean, I knew you were kind of off a little bit, just a strange guy when you said you didn't drink coffee. I was like, okay, that explains a lot. It interrupts and gets in the way of my bourbon drinking. So <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, there you another, go. Another thing that... I want to throw out there about traveling and turkey hunting, period. Whether it's in by car or it's by plane, train, boat, however you're going to do it. Make sure you take enough ammo with you. Because in this day and age, where we are today, 
in this environment yep. in the United States of America. I don't care if you're hunting with Longbeard XR. I don't care if you're hunting with TSS. I don't care if you're hunting with Winchester X. Ammo is dang near impossible to find. And the last thing that you want to do is go on a trip and take four or five shells and oops, you pull a Cameron on day one of the trip. Yep. Shoot five times and you're done. 100%. Uh, first trip my brother and Ryan and I ever took big trip was South Dakota. Literally shot out of shells the second day because I was shooting so terribly because I was trying out a red dot when I'm colorblind to red. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Guess who was missing a bunch when he can't see red? <laughs> yeah. So I literally shot out of shells the second day, I think it was. It still had not had a bird to show for it. So we ended up having to leave the hunting area, drive two and a half hours to get a box of shells. And that's yeah. when shells were readily available. These that's days, brutal. it would really screw you. So Yeah, I mean, it would basically end your hunt. Yeah, I, I mean, what what's the harm in bringing too many shells? You know, I hope you use them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you have to choose between taking more shells on the trip with you and leaving a boot at home, leave the boot at home. Yep. Yep. You want to have too many shells. That's a great, great point. I learned that the hard way that first year. So learn from our mistakes. If you're going on a week-long trip, you're trying to hunt, kill two turkeys in two states, I would take 12, 15 shells, literally. Might as well. I yeah. hope you use them all. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great idea. And on top of that, if you're driving to hunt somewhere, because I've had this happen, if I'm driving, not if I'm flying, I won't do this, but if I'm driving and it's me and two of my brothers or however many of us, we bring an extra gun. Yeah. And that is always the case. We always have an extra gun. And because in past years, we've had somebody have a gun malfunction, you know, and it's really nice that everybody still gets to take a gun out in the morning if you need to separate. So we yeah. always have one bonus gun. Anybody can use it if needed. It's been patterned. It has a turkey choke in it. We just bring an extra gun. And, you know, we're driving. We have plenty of room. We'll bring an extra gun. Now, that's not a necessity, but if you have the option to do that, guns don't really take up much room. You can store them in corners or whatever. And that's an option. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great point. That's something that my dad taught me at an early age. He would take two guns on any hunting trip that we would do anywhere, whether it was a dove hunt that might be 30 minutes from home or a deer hunt two hours from home or 12 hours from home. And, you know, there have been plenty of times, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but you heard me say earlier that I take my gun or guns out of my truck at night because right now we have so much junk in the garage that I don't park inside the garage. So yeah. I don't want something to happen to my guns in the middle of the night. So I take them out, bring them inside. And there have been times during deer season when I go be bopping on down to the hunting camp, no gun. Dang. But if, but if dad's there, I know I have a gun. So, yeah, having an extra gun, especially on a group hunt like that, because yeah. the chip is the perfect example. We yeah, last how far to get to Minnesota and gun malfunction. Yep. Fortunately, I didn't have to shoot. I'd already killed a bird in Minnesota. So I'm willing to sacrifice a tag in Minnesota for Chip to have the opportunity to kill using my gun. So yeah. had I needed Minnesota, we'd have had a fist fight out there in the middle of the woods. <laughs> He'd have been shooting blanks out of his other gun. <laughs> yeah. He'd have been pointing and clicking a whole lot. So good, very good suggestion. Yeah. The other thing I would say for my personal style of camping, because I do the Eno, is get a good, very good sleeping bag that you can zip up around you where you're fully in the bag, but also put something else below you. You won't get cold from the top. You will get cold from the bottom in an Eno. I guarantee you that will help. Is that because of the padding or the fill in the sleeping bag not being compressed on the top and being compressed yeah, on I, the bottom? I don't know what it is, but I used to be one sleeping bag and I would get in it and every night I would wake up cold on my you know shoulders and back and everything. And so I figured out, A, you don't want any of your body touching the Eno. You want it to all be you know a sleeping bag under it. And then B, 
I bring a second sleeping bag unzipped that I lay across the Eno, and then I get on top of that in my other bag, and I stay toasty warm that way. Gotcha. And if it's warm that night, you can always deduct one sleeping bag. It's way easier to take one away than it is to go get a new one. <laughs> no doubt. So that's no what doubt. I do for the for the Eno camping. And I mean, I've literally slept in 20 some odd degrees in the hammock at this point. And as long as you have two sleeping bags or some kind of comforter or something under you and you're in the other one, you'll be good. Yeah. And I always wear a hoodie to sleep and put the hood over my head to hold in because that's where you're gonna lose most of your heat so i wrap that hood around my head and even pull the drawstrings and just get that get on there get that on top so that helps a lot too yeah that's a big deal or wear a toboggan yeah something to cover that head yeah that keeping that heat in is a big deal yes 100 percent. so i mean that's that's all i really think of at the moment on things that people might could pick up from us here but you know I, I hunt out of the Kia. I don't think you have to have a four-wheel drive vehicle. I go for more miles per gallon, save money on the long haul of the season. But definitely some places it wouldn't hurt to have a four-wheel drive. But I haven't had any problems yet in the Kia. So yeah, that's what I hunt out of. You know, And I sleep in the car sometimes. I have a little air mattress that goes in the back seat that's comfortable if I have time to put it up. You know, That's just how I travel. So Will your Kia charge a phone or a device an electronic device while the key is not in the ignition with the ignition turned on no it will not and that is a great point because you also are going to want to buy a couple of those cheap portable batteries that's a good point and i carry two of those so i can rotate them and while i'm driving i'm charging one bingo yeah so oh another thing i have man this is a big one right here I can't believe I forgot this. I have a boot dryer. Yeah. And they are two slip-in boot dryers that are they're plug-in. Really they're, lightweight. They just drop into the boots. And when I'm driving from Iowa to Montana for nine hours, I'm drying my boots out. And I can't tell you how nice it is to be able to dry your boots on the road and be in dry boots the next morning. Yeah. So... That is a big, we had, we used those last year going to Maine and stuff. It was raining. Everybody needed to dry their boots. We were drying them out the whole drive. Portable boot dryer. The ones I have, I I can't remember the name of them. They actually plug in like to an outlet. And so I bought a converter for like 12 bucks that goes from cigarette lighter outlet to like a normal outlet. Yep. But the boot dryers, that is a key for sure. Yeah. Pete drop-in dryer. That's what I have. Okay. They're 20 bucks, and you would pay 20 bucks every time you used them to have dry boots, I promise you. Nothing sucks worse than putting on sopping wet boots in the morning before you go walk three miles in the cold, you know? <laughs> Especially when you only have one pair of socks. Yes, which is my MO for North Carolina. Yeah. When it rains, like, every day. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Boot dryer, that's a big deal. Pete drop-in footwear dryer is what this is called. 20 bucks, get a little converter, you can plug it in the car. You're drying your boots anytime you're in the car or leave it running for a while and let it dry them out. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and you touched on something else there just a second ago that I think is important to have as another tool, even if you're flying and you can spare the extra weight, and that is a power inverter. And the power inverters are, you can buy some that are pretty lightweight. They might add another pound, pound and a half to your weight for your travel. But to have that and have those extra outlets to be able to plug in a charger or a boot dryer or a laptop, if you're like me and you take your computers with you, then, you know, that's that's important. That can be a very important tool. And especially if you're driving, there's no reason not to take one yeah you brought one to utah and we used it a ton yeah in the rental car yeah just make sure you don't forget it in the rental car (laughs) no no and i took mine to the northeast when we went up there and you know be able to plug in two or three or four devices chargers laptop i mean it's that thing's priceless yeah they, they are very useful no doubt about it yeah so cool i think that'll give some folks a pretty good head start maybe for planning a trip next year you know maybe listen to this episode again right before your trip just 
here if we said something in here that might be something you forgot or you're like, hey, that's a great tip. So, Oh, I want to throw one more in there. Oh, bring it. I believe it is spring of 2022. Maybe it's October of 2021. But sometime soon, you are going to have to have a star ID. Oh, good point. It's October, I believe. You have to do it okay. before October. It's either October or August. I'm not positive. I think it was October. Or you're going to have to have your passport to travel within the U.S. So don't make a mistake and wait until it's too late to do that or until you get to the airport and realize, oh, crap, I don't have a star ID and my passport is locked in the gun safe. So yeah, that would suck. go do it now. Go ahead bite the bullet, pay the 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is for a new driver's license and get the star ID. Yeah, that's so, a great point. Yeah. And to go back, don't forget to get your real Cajun market sausage for your trips. Very nice. portable, very good on the road. Can eat it cold, can eat it hot as we discussed. That is the sponsor of our show, the real Cajun market, Cullen Lord as the chef. And they have sausages, crab cakes, all kind of Cajun foods that you can have delivered to your door, ready to eat. They come in a cooler box, so they're ready to go in the freezer or ready to go in the microwave or on the skillet, whatever you want to do. The real Cajun market, all kind of flavors, unbelievable sausages. They're regular sausages on one level, and then these are way above that. These are premium premium sausages if you want to impress some people at a gathering or something this summer where you're grilling out toss some of these bad boys on the grill you know maybe try the bacon maple bacon ones or the smoked you know andouille anything like that toss those on there i guarantee you people will be like man where'd you get this so yeah. yes, i highly suggest those for trips as well very good eating on trips I wrap mine in like a piece of white bread, kind of make a hot dog out of it, and holy cow, it's good. A little mustard on there. Mustard, baby. Yes, sir. Oh, you are talking after, you know, three-mile haul with the gobbler on your back. Can't beat a little mustard on a real Cajun market sausage. So yeah, yeah, highly good. suggest that. If you want to get some of those, contact Cullen Lord on Instagram. He has Cullen Lord, the real Cajun markets on Instagram, or Facebook the real Cajun market, or you can call his wife, Ann, and Andy is going to give you her number. You can reach Ann Lord at 678-471-1150. That is 678-471-1150. And let Ann know that you heard about the real Cajun market on the Turkey Hunter podcast and just ask her. Make sure that she's going to send you a receipt after you place your order because I have in my grubby little hands one, two, <laughs> three. Ooh, that one sounds good. Four items that we're going to give away. So I want you to send your receipt from your purchase of the real Cajun market to Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com or you can send it to Cameron and he's going to tell you how to do that here in just a second. But I have a feeding hen decoy from HS Strut. It is a Strut Light decoy. I have a HS Strut turkey tail and beard mounting kit or as they say in Canada or in Francais, a trousse de montage de quoi? What? Et barbe de dindon. That was unexpected. <laughs> I also have in my hands a Strut Commander Double Trouble double-sided pot call with a striker. It's aluminum on one side, and I have to open it up and look at it because I can't remember. It is slate on the other side. So that is for the first place finisher, but don't despair because if you don't win, if you're not the first name that we draw and you're the second name that we draw, you're going to win a Gamekeeper Switchback Knife. 
That is one of those knives with the replaceable blades. And this one actually has three free blades included in it. So that'll be good to cut your finger off while you're trying to get the gizzard out of a wild turkey. Fantastic. So Fantastic. do that. Cameron, so, tell them how they can send you their receipts to enter the yeah. contest as well. So all you have to do is send a picture of the receipt. You can send that to us through Facebook, like Andy said, on I Am Turkey Hunting facebook page the turkey hunter podcast or you can contact me on instagram that is the gob g-o-b father 49 the gob father 49 cameron weddington is my name send me a direct message on instagram with a picture of your receipt say i want to be in the contest we will enter you and as he said we'll have first and second place drawings pretty good stuff in the drawing too so oh You can win that. And That's once he cuts out of that call, that sounds really good. Does sound good. After he cuts you off and you shoot him in the head with that, you'll be able to mount him with your new mount kit. So, yes. What a deal. I mean, it, all you got to do is buy some awesome sausage and eat it. I mean, we're really asking a lot of you here. So, do that. Send us a receipt and you might be able to win this stuff. So, absolutely. That's Very a favorite good. week. Enter the freaking contest. Send us a receipt that you bought some sausages. I don't care if you bought one sausage from Cullen Lord. Send us a receipt. Do that, and you're in the contest. Worst case scenario, you get to eat a bunch of really good sausage. Best case scenario, you get to eat a bunch of really good sausage and win stuff. Yeah. I don't know how things can go south from there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good position to be in, no doubt. So. Yeah. I'm going to make say? that the favor of the week, and I'm going to let you wrap us up because your boy's hungry, and I got some venison ready to go. Let's do this. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope that you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week with a new battery in our smoke detector. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Hunting Afternoon Birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.